Hello, welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I want to continue that conversation about individuals that are in that flight or fight mode, as you said it, whenever we're in a stressful state in life and it does wear down individuals' abilities to, to create bonds. Um, you know, one of my key clientele group, if you will, as being a landlord, is selling properties to people that ultimately want to have them be theirs, but they don't really have um, the credit score that would make a bank want them to have it now. And one of the key groups that that is, is people who are going through a divorce. You know, essentially they're getting kicked out of their house or they're selling the house and both of them are going to get a new house. Uh, But for whatever reason, their credit got destroyed in this process and they don't have the ability to to go and, and buy a house outright. So I'm able to provide that need for, for that group of people. Um, but one thing that I definitely have observed to this is, especially those that didn't, quote unquote, see the divorce coming and are shocked by it, um, they're, they're very distant. Um, and, and this is true for both genders. Um, they're, they're very distant and don't really want to have a connection. Um, they just basically want to be left alone and just let me do my thing, which um, in some regards, I, I assume is like, the equivalent of emotional shock, like your body's just shutting down and and all of that, which makes sense to me. I mean, um, but what I'm trying to get with this is that it's harder to have a connection with them in those initial meetings. But as we go to the end of the process, especially whenever they're officially getting the house all in their name, they almost seem like night and day different people. Uh, like, like how could you have been the same person I was dealing with three years ago compared to how you are today on the other side of this process of now you're three years after the fact you've had a house that's stable. I wasn't bothering you throughout it. You know, as long as you paid on time, I didn't care. Um, you know, you painted your kid's room, Barbie pink, and you know, you did whatever you wanted to the house. I don't care. Uh, I just want to make sure that, you know, you're maintaining it, you know, you're cutting the grass and shoveling the snow. I'm not coming to do that. That's the trade-off in this relationship. And it's, it's fair and beneficial for everyone. But where, where my observation is, is that people that have gone through, um, I mean, let's say it's it's adult emotional trauma and sometimes it's second, normally it's economic trauma as well. So it's hitting from a lot of different elements and just seeing how the body can make you not want to really trust anyone or really sometimes in case do anything versus after some time has settled. And I don't know what that healing process actually is like. I'm sure there's better ways to do it than not just like anything else, but just seeing how much people have changed and going back to the first part of our discussion here in the last episode of, of who to hire. Um, I'm obviously more inclined to hire someone who's gone through the process of making themselves better and come out on the other side of it um, rather than the person who's in shell shock, essentially. So uh, I want to focus more on like the individual part of how we can nurture ourselves to come out of this state of, of shell shockness to be able to, to return to society and, you know, open up our relationships and ourselves to other people. Yeah, there's a, a lot of phenomenal uh, research and insight around that. I've uh, been drawing, I read the whole book and I keep digging into it again uh, called The Body Keeps the Score. And uh, it was on the New York Times bestseller list for uh, 111 weeks straight. Wow. <laughs> so 
to indicate uh, the, the quality of writing. It's, it's very accessible and also depth. I mean, it really gets into, you know, the dorsal vagal complex and the polyvagal theory and the ventral vagal complex and, you know, the, the, the physiological effects of uh, stress and trauma and these kinds of things. Just fascinating. In addition to treatments, it's uh, written by Bessel van der Kolk, who has been in the trauma field since it was founded, essentially, before PTSD was a diagnosis. He was working with Vietnam vets and discovering the ineffectiveness of medication, for example. And so there, there are uh, a number of ways that he talks about to make connections, but uh, just recognizing the pattern of how we deal with threats. Uh, our first round of defense is to, to cry out for help. That's uh, in the, the ventral vagal complex. The uh, first thing we do is look for social engagement, social connection. Uh, if we feel threatened, uh, whether it's an empty stomach as a baby or whether it's uh, a man with a knife, I suppose, we, uh, we cry out for help and we, we look to that social engagement. When no help is coming, then we switch into fight or flight mode and uh, a, a different uh, part of our physiology is engaged. Uh, adrenaline surges through our veins, our muscles get activated, uh, cortisol starts to, to strengthen our uh, our muscles. And so then we, we move into that fight or flight mode, which uh, we know well enough, I suppose, either to overcome the threat on our own or to run away from it and find a, a safe place. But if we're trapped and neither of those things is possible, we can't fight it and we can't run from it, then our body just shuts down to conserve energy essentially. And that's where the dorsal vagal complex gets activated and that's a, our heart drops. So our, our pulse goes way down and our, our bowels either uh, seize up uh, or, or empty out. And uh, yeah, we have scare the crap out of you, right? Uh, that's where that comes from. And uh, we have that physiological effect of, of just shutting down internally. And from that place, you know, we're not, we're not making social connections. We're not even running. We're not fighting. We're just shut down. And when people are held in positions of, uh, of helplessness, then that shutdown is very real. And that, of course, becomes more reinforcing. While we're not making social connections, we're also not healing from the shutdown. And it's through social engagement that we do tend to heal. But social engagement requires letting our guard down. We're all kind of at a, a low level of being on guard. And we have to let our guard down in order to let someone in. And uh, intimate and, and reinforcing relationships are, uh, are, are part of how we heal. The problem is once we develop some of these stress responses, uh, even when we come out of that total shutdown mode after a traumatic experience, it's like uh, our, our body doesn't regulate well and everything becomes a bit traumatizing. Everything becomes a bit of a threat until we're... Uh, well, really in a safe place and start to engage at, uh, at, at deeper levels of social connection. So anyway, all of that is to say, uh, similar to what I had said in the last podcast, it tends to be a negatively reinforcing feedback loop. 
And what you're doing, uh, which is so beautiful, is taking somebody who's in a tremendously stressful situation. I mean, when you don't have the economic support, when you don't have a place to go, when you're on the verge of becoming homeless, uh, that's super stressful. And you get all Mm -hmm. jacked up. And and adrenaline, which might have been useful against lions and bears, isn't terribly useful against the IRS. You know, it's like no. we're we're then we're just like jacked up for a certain period of time, but we can't do anything, and that's where we go into that shutdown mode. And then finally coming to a place that's safe, that's secure, that we can start to emerge and we can make social connections, you know, then it can become a place of of healing. But a lot of times in the shutdown mode or in that place of vulnerability, we're more susceptible to being exploited by the guy who looks like he's helpful and actually isn't. And Mm -hmm. so that's part of the negative shutdown. So women who have been abused as children are seven seven times more likely to be abused or raped as adults, right? I mean, that's horrendous, but Mm -hmm. but that's that's how evil works. I mean, it preys on the weak. And so- actually creating structures that that reach out to those who are in these uh, terribly uh, difficult situations is uh, is a real work of mercy so uh, so beautiful what you make possible now uh, somebody uh, the the slum landlord I, I think is the kind of uh, negative image of the person who exploits someone like that they're desperate he gives them poor housing he takes whatever money they have, and he's looming over their shoulder looking for a reason to kick them out or something, right? This is the, the sort of uh, evil version of- uh, It's kind of the taking, opposite of what I do. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. You know, and so it's so beautiful how you describe like, listen, you know, you have your own autonomous space. Your house is your sanctuary, and I'm going to restore that to you, even though it's really my house and my property. I'm going yeah. to give you a place of sanctuary that you can really call your own, and you have the space there to work in within certain limits, which are totally fair and upfront and easy to meet. And even there, I'm sure there's mercy if the snow isn't shoveled or the grass isn't mowed for a little bit, you know, there's a warning, an intervention, a communication or whatever. Um, that's, a, that's just a beautiful way to start restoring people to, to greater health. Yeah. And, and the specifics of it basically are is you, you have to be at the standards of what your neighbors are. You know, if your neighbors are cool with you being this way, then so am I. Um, if the neighbors are fussy and going to be causing issues, well, then you you, you got to be be equal with that. And you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's the, the, it's still a economic transaction back and forth. You know, they still have to keep their word of paying and all that stuff. But the the amount of freedoms that I give them are much greater than what your typical landlord was. Um, and also, I mean, it's not like I, I'm specifically putting out a sign that's saying like recently divorced individuals or anything like that. It's just that tends to be who this attracts. Um, to just from the way that we do it, it's, it's either people who are there or they had no idea how a credit card worked when they were younger too, which is a different economic problem, but, um, but, but not necessarily one that, that puts you in this paralyzing state. Um, and I don't know if this is the, the, to the same extent, in fact, I'm probably sure it's not, but I know as an individual going in front of a judge, which unfortunately I have to do from time to time when people don't pay that I get that exact same feeling you were saying of all this build up emotion but I can't fight, you know, a, a judge. I, I can't fight the IRS, as you said there. And the thing that that I have noticed, and and this might be that feedback loop, just my experience of it is, the first time it gets activated, it is way easier to reactivate it again. Um, and I guess there's a lot of systems in your body that are like that. They say that that's one of the things that 
If you truly get into a ketogenic state, it's way easier to reactivate it again later in life, so on and so forth. Um, and I guess that's the positive that these negative things can also be done positively through your body. Um, but to me, it's like, I, I have almost built up this spot where I, I just don't want to go to court. And I think everyone should have that default mindset anyway. But, um, but when I'm there, it's like, even though I know everything I did was completely right. I know everything I done was fair and just, I still get this all like, what if panic that kind of creeps over me, which is, um, you know, normally why well, I have an attorney next to me so I can just sit there and be quiet and let him talk, which on its own level is hard for me. Um, but that's a side story within itself. So I, I guess I bring this up to say that that as we're in the negative feed loop, it becomes very easy, regardless of what the negative feed loop is. Um, it could be as something as I haven't gotten a, a sale in a long time and I feel like I'm never going to have enough money and, and, and my whole world's going to come crashing down. It can be, oh man, I haven't had a date in like three years. I'm going to die alone. You know, whatever this negative feedback loop is, it's very easy to internalize the problem and try to say that it's strictly 100% because of something that's wrong with me. When the, the end result is it might have contributing factors that you are exasperating, but it also might not be something that you could have controlled in your first place. You know, t- take the situation of a divorce. You know, you can't, necessarily control walking in on someone cheating on you um you know you didn't know that was happening or whatever um there's lots of ways that that a divorce can happen that's not your fault and it just was essentially placed upon you um and i look at this and saying that you know i think that we need to be as a society realistic that it's not an all or nothing it's not 100 the external world's fault nor is it 100 the individual's internal fault but I see that people going to those extremes when they're in those situations, either saying everything bad is happening to me and there's nothing I can do about it or internalizing themselves and saying that I am the sole problem, everything, and there's nothing I can do can ever fix this. Um, And I know that you've dealt with a lot of people in, in both of those spaces. And to me, it seems really easy to go to one of those two extremes and neither one really seems profitable. Yeah, that's right. The, uh, uh, hope hopelessness of course is not helpful and you know and the and the answer to these things is uh, a lot of times is human relationships you know again it's um, so you providing a space and you know uh, you or somebody else actually like just being a presence it's amazing we really are uh, social creatures is the you know kind of secular way to say it uh, we're we're made for relationships for a communion of persons and there's just a, a point at which nothing can take away that fear, that heightened anxiety, that uh, stress, fight or flight that, you know, nothing can take away, for, take it away except the presence of a person and having a person that who can enter in and that we can really trust has a way of, of regulating our emotions, settling our hearts, giving us a reason for hope. And, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a funny thing, even if that person doesn't have all the answers or doesn't have a lot more control. You, even, you meant it in a little different way, but having your lawyer there helps, you know, just at a very basic human level that there's somebody else in it with you helps, let alone somebody who's competent and can do the speaking and, you know, knows the ins and outs and is able to pay attention to the snares and things like that. Um, but, um, but we're really made for relationships. And I guess that's, uh, you know, kind of bringing it back to the 
the point that started off this discussion to a certain degree of, well, quotas for companies are probably uh, in the end not beneficial because they undermine companies. And, you know, mm -hmm. depending on the people can, whatever, companies of different sizes can hire in different ways and, you know, all of that. There's a big space there. But, uh, but the question remains of like, how do we, uh, how do we enter into other people's space? We, we can't, it's not something you can just throw money at. And as you're pointing out, you know, it's not something you can really just throw policies at. And <clears throat> I like the idea of reinforcing, and um, I'm going to say this without uh, knowing enough of the details, but at least the idea, as far as I understood it, of when Bush uh, implemented faith-based initiatives, it's like, okay, there are individuals, there are people who are motivated to do something. Uh, what they have is humanity, compassion, presence, support. What they don't have is resources and uh, you know a, a long enough credit line to uh, put food on their table. And mm -hmm. so, uh, so the government should provide that uh, or can provide that. That would be a way to address the problem and then motivating the, the human presence. And so I like that kind of idea. Now it's anything that you do at a large scale is fraught with problems. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how do you, how do you actually manage all of that? And uh, if the government's involved, it's probably managed badly overall as a, as a foundational guess, but mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, the basic idea of, uh, you can't, there's just no way to provide humanity except humanity. There's no way to provide presence and, and support and, uh, willingness other than human beings doing that. And, and that's a, an irreplaceable thing. And then, you know, utilizing our, our, our power, leveraging our influence, our position, the resources that we've received, the benefits that we've received. Uh, I mean, thank God, you know, you and I both grew up in, in families where there was real love and support, affirmation, security, opportunity. And, and that's a, that's a gift that I think is easy to take for granted because, it's all we knew, you know, it's what we grew up in. And, but to realize that's an incredible gift to be able to extend to others. And so, um, you know, and we do that in lots of our spheres of influence, that even the, the people I employ who didn't necessarily grow up on the street, you know, have their own woundedness and I'm able to support them. Lots of spiritual directees I'm able to do that with. But I think that question for all of us, it should eat at us a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned the injustice toward a company, which I really agree about undermining companies by forcing on them certain social policies uh, has its own kind of problematic consequence. Uh, <clears throat> on the other hand, you know, how do we stir consciences? We should be bothered by, by the injustice at a different level of, of people who grow up in horrible situations and, and even people who have made their own bad decisions, but who knows what they were working with in the process of doing that. And, you know, isn't there some way that we can help and at least help those who are open to being helped? At some level, people are resistant to being helped for all of the reasons I described earlier, because that's led them to exploitation and betrayal on enough occasions that even that resistance of like, well, it's bad now, but it could be worse. And mm -hmm. uh, I'd rather just stay it bad than take the risk of getting better when in fact it could be worse. Uh, the risk of, of growth and trust, which is necessary uh, can really come at a cost. And so anyway, there's a whole spectrum of, of things in there. And uh, the basic point is for the, for you and I, who can make a podcast like this, and probably for any of our listeners who can listen to a podcast like this, we have something to offer in terms of the, the, the gift that we've received, the confidence that we have, 
the growth in our own humanity, the level of healing, which has been the consequence of people who have loved us, either to begin with, to not be as wounded, or people who have loved us in our woundedness in order to have better healing. And then it should eat at us a little bit. How can I give this to others? How can I serve others with, with this gift? Beautiful. And um, I have many follow-up questions that are actually going to turn into their own episode after that. Um, I know that, that we're running out of time here in this one. So I thank you for, for being with you here in today's episode, Father. We will be with everyone again here next week. Please click like and subscribe. Um, please also click the share button and let someone you know who you think could benefit from this because sometimes it's simply just reaching out to someone makes a huge difference. So we thank you guys for listening and being with us and we'll be with you again here next week.